welcome to Bone to Pick. I am Michael Davis, and we are coming to you today from the headquarters of the S.E. Shires Company in Hopedale, Massachusetts. And I am honored to have our featured artist this month be the great Steve Shires, the founder of the S.E. Shires Company. Um, as many of you probably already know, the S.E. Shires Company is the preeminent maker of the highest quality brass instruments ever manufactured for my money. Um, Steve himself cut his teeth working for the Schilke Company in Chicago, Osmond Brass in Boston, and a good deal of time with the Getson Company in Wisconsin, where he was instrumental in developing the Edwards line of trombones. Uh, Shire's trumpets and trombones can be heard in concert halls around the world, on motion picture and television soundtracks, Grammy award-winning and multi-platinum selling CDs, and the finest conservatories throughout the United States and Europe. Uh, I am honored that Steve uh, let, lent his artistic talents to making a, a signature trombone of mine, the Michael Davis trombone. Um, and Steve, in addition to being a genius at, at making brass instruments, also an extremely accomplished trombonist himself. He studied with the great Frank Crisafulli and Ed Kleinhammer. And I'm honored to call him my friend. Steve, thanks so much for taking out time out of your very busy schedule to uh, be on Bone to Pick today. Well, thank you very much for coming up. Uh, my pleasure. Um, let's jump in and talk about your early years. I know you grew up in Iowa. Yep. And um, and um, what what made you uh, what drew you to the trombone and, and, and those early years of starting to make uh, musical instruments? I think I uh, began to play trombone because there were already too many drummers and trumpet players that signed <laughs> up. Uh, but uh, I do remember one time when I was young. Uh, already a trombone player, but uh, I was driving with my father in the car, and uh, we were listening to public radio, and there was J.J. Uh, Johnson playing My Favorite Things, mm. uh, and I heard that for the first time, and it was uh, the first time I looked at trombone as something that everyone might want to listen to, not just another trombone player, and uh, I think I kind of fell in love with it at that moment, and, uh, it, you know, ever since then, that was something I was dedicated to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. I think, uh, I think JJ had that impact on a lot of us, right? Yeah. It's just like, uh, it just draws you in that sound and uh, his, his approach to music is so incredible. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your time at University of Iowa. And in particular, I was interested in doing a little prep for this interview, um, how you started a little bit of your first designs for d designing trombones at uh, West Music Company in uh Yeah, in Iowa. I, I worked for a, a, a company called West Music Company in Iowa. Uh -huh. uh, I studied with John Hill and George Krim at the University of Iowa, both okay, really sure. fine trombone players. Yeah. Um, at West Music, I started in their repair shop just doing cleaning rental instruments and taking dents out of them and getting them ready to rent out and I just got kind of interest, interested in tinkering so I'd uh, try making an open wrap on my own and I remember I made an alto trombone by cutting down an old Holton, really small old Holton small bore and making it into an alto early mm. on. So. so that was the first, the very first Shire's trombone? That, that's right, they say. yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, and as I mentioned in the introduction, you obviously are, were a very accomplished trombonist yourself. 
What was that? Uh, I know you made the move to Chicago after being in Iowa. What was what was that like? And then I know you studied with the great Frank Christofoli and, and Edward Kleinhammer. How was how was that experience? Uh, it, it was great. I mean, I, I moved to Chicago to study trombone more than than to work, but I worked at Schilke's, which was also a great experience. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, they really had the uh, eye for quality and everything they did. They wanted it first rate. Uh, but living in Chicago and studying there was awesome as well. Uh, I also studied with Jacobs probably even more than oh, Kleinhammer wow. okay. and Chris Afoli. Uh And, you know, the best brass playing, I think, orchestral brass playing in the world was in Chicago at the time. And, sure, no and uh, you know, Herseth became a huge influence as well, just the way he... Uh, created a sound, but also the way he sort of led the orchestra from the first trumpet position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what was that like in terms of working at Schilke? Was the, uh, was the old man there at that point? or No, was he... no. I, I worked for Reynolds Jr. Okay. Uh, Reynolds Sr. had passed I mean, I, I by I don't know then. the whole history of the, uh, the uh, lineage of the uh, Schilke family. Yeah, but, uh, I think, but... uh, think Reynolds Jr. probably, or Reynolds Sr. probably passed in 1982. Two or eighty-three, and okay. I, I started there in eighty-four, eighty-five. And okay, just worked for a couple of years, learned to spin bells there. Okay, um, and uh, you know it was it was really good to get the uh, feel for quality that you mm-hmm. need to go further in this sort of business. You think that helped shape your? I mean, I think to me your your level of quality is second to none. Do you think that helped shape? The, uh, yeah, the way you that, I mean, the it? craftsmanship on Shilke trumpets was always second to none for sure, and and they were very influential on Yamaha instruments, which are very well made as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So following uh, your time in Chicago, then I think this is around 1986, you moved to Boston and started working uh, both, yeah. both playing-wise, and, and you were working with Osmond Brass at the time. That's right, and, and, and Osmond was the... Brass was the, one of the best repair companies, is one of the best uh, repair shops in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went from, uh, you know, being a pretty good repairman, I think, to going a lot further, learning a lot more about how to repair valves and make valves, and I uh, experimented a lot with installing axial flow valves, and and we actually had some bells made for us that we'd heat treat in different ways to get different sounds, so I really started doing a lot more customizing of trumpets and trombones while I was there. Mm-hmm. Were you... Because I, I, I know for, on my horns, the, the slides are just impeccably great. And, and every one of them that I'm going to try, they're all great. Did you, were you already starting to think about design of slides or working on slides at that point? Well, I mean, yeah, it... I did a lot of repair work on slides. And, and uh, if you, uh, the more you do, the better you get. And you start figuring out the important things. I mean, it's, it's surface finish. It's quality of chrome plating and surface finish there. It's how parallel they are, how straight they are, and how much tolerance there is. And and it's, you know, it's as simple as that, but it has to be really, really done the right way. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And and with those early Osmond, Osmond Shire's bells, I understand you, you had people in the Philadelphia Orchestra, San Francisco Symphony started playing these. Did that kind of give you your first big uh, launch into uh, some of the top professionals playing? Yeah, or? I think people got to know who I was, and uh, and it and enough that uh, at 
some point, Edwards, when they, they were kind of a fledgling company at the time, but mm -hmm. they uh, hired me to come and design and be the artist relations guy for them. Yeah, what was like the, that experience like leaving Boston and back to the Midwest and Wisconsin there? And uh, it was uh, it was good. I mean, it's it was a difficult playing situation because I was doing a fair amount of freelancing around Boston and, and there's simply less work and anytime you come to a new new town you're gonna get less work so I I did a little less playing there uh, but I got to have a big influence I think on the Edwards instruments and I got to meet guys like Joe Alessi and Charlie Vernon and Mark mm -hmm. Lawrence and all these guys that were uh, you know amazing players and working with them was uh, fantastic that must have been an, uh, a good uh foundation for you starting your own company years later but working, working with artists having a huge input on the Edwards line and, and making the horns and you know designing what you wanted to well, and no matter how go. no matter how good a player you are you're only going to make a horn that you like and so if you want to make different models that uh, feel good to different people you need the input of other great players and right. uh, you know it, there's nobody better than some of the guys that I worked with there, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For those of you who are wondering about that, the uh, sounds you hear in the background, we are right in the we're in the showroom here at Shires, but the factory is right over here, so you're getting to uh, experience firsthand what it's like being here, which is a very, very cool place and a lot of uh, great work going on. So if you hear that in the background, that's what's happening. Um, let's talk about coming back to Boston now and, and starting your own company, which had to be a huge endeavor and a huge decision it's always even for freelance players you make the decision to move to a new city that in and of itself is a big decision but then to say i'm going to go and start my own shop that that must have been quite uh quite a let's just jump in the deep end here what was what, yeah. were, your, what were your memories of, of that time uh well i mean i couldn't have done it without the support of my wife my wife has always uh had a good job she's an mm -hmm. actuary uh kathy shires uh, -huh. uh and uh she uh, was ready to move back uh, to the company she left in Massachusetts, and I was ready to kind of do something different uh, after a couple years back in the Midwest. So uh, we moved back here, and I started uh, acquiring some used equipment in my basement to start making instruments. Um, I was working as a repairman at the same time, so I didn't completely jump out uh, to making instruments uh -huh. all at once. But, do you remember uh, what the first trombone you made that you felt was like you're okay here it is this i can put this out as the shire se shire's trombone you know i was really lucky uh and part of this is all the experience i had with edwards and and so on but i uh i met uh kazahiro sonata who's president of the sonata company in in uh, japan and he ordered my first 12 instruments and I, uh, the first ones I made played pretty well. Uh, last time I was in Japan, I got a chance to play on number one, which I did sell. And it actually was really a pretty good instrument, I've got to say, <laughs> be better than I had remembered it was. So I was, I was pleased to play on it. I have, yeah. I have no doubt it was a great <laughs> instrument, but it must, that must have been a thrill to see the first one, you know. It, it was, no, it, was, it, it surprised me. It played uh, pretty well. A little heavier than I would play myself, but it was good.
And, uh, and I, having gotten to meet uh, Kazu, I mean, he's a wonderful man. And, yeah. uh, and his shop over there, for those who haven't had the good fortune of uh, being to Joy Brass in, uh, in Tokyo, amazing. I mean, amazing uh, yeah, nice uh, facility. I mean, beautiful. And, and I'm, you'll be pleased to know, last time I was there, it was lined with shires all yeah. over the place. So yeah. trombones and trumpets. So it's, uh, it's a great thing. Well, that actually, it kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about. And once you, you know, kind of gained your footing, and, and I know you started in your own basement, but then you, you've moved here to this facility, right? Was this where you Yeah, we moved, moved here uh, really in our first, during our first year of production because okay. it, the kind of uh, dirt and dust that's created from polishing things uh, is not conducive to a good marriage. <laughs> uh, the house, uh, it wasn't going to stay there long term. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we moved here. We moved into half of this building initially, which uh, this is a 12,000 square foot building. And we okay. moved into 6,000 square foot, uh, most of it being production area and then some office space in front uh, mm -hmm. back in 1996. Mm -hmm. uh, so about 20 years ago. Wow. That's Coming awesome. Up. And, and, one of the things that I find interesting as an entrepreneur myself and as a business owner is, like, is especially starting out, like trying to get the distribution network and the dealer network in place. What, what are your memories of, of that? I mean, you already mentioned uh, Kazu and the Sonata Company. That, so you had a pipeline to Japan at that point already from the get-go. How was that there? And also in Europe, I would imagine, was another place you wanted yeah, to secure. Yeah, we, uh, well... Kazu ordered almost anything we could produce in the very beginning. Uh, and uh, we have uh, a couple of other really good early dealers. Uh, Music Bertram in Freiburg, Germany is a huge company, very mm -hmm. well run. Mm -hmm. Peter Bertram is a, is a very good guy and he's done a tremendous job. Honorati Brothers in uh, Italy okay. and Phil Parker's uh, sure. in England, uh, they've all done a, a fantastic job. And we never, uh, we rarely had to look for more distribution because people oh, really? were ordering yeah, were already... more than, than we could produce for most of uh, the company's history. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I've spent some time at Phil Parker's in London. Uh, it's a good, lovely shop. And, uh, and I love Adrian's those guys. great. Yeah, yeah. 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 And Will is great, and there's always absolutely. I do some business with them myself, and it's uh, it's always fun getting their phone call. You know, hello, Michael. We we need to order some bits from you. Yes, it's always <laughs> bits. bits. I love the bits. <laughs> yeah. Well, in addition to uh, making great trombones, and uh, you also uh, added trumpets to the line. I'm not sure exactly when that was. I'm saying I'm guessing five, six years ago or uh, something. Six, like seven that? years ago. Six or seven years ago. Okay. When we first started. Doing Can that. you? Talk about the thought process of adding those, and then, uh, and then we'll talk about a, a little bit about this incredible instrument, the Destino Three, which is the Doc Severinsen signature model. But sure, what was what was that like, and what what made you decide, hey, I'm going to add trumpets to the to the company? I think uh, I always had thought I wanted to do that from the very beginning. I started this company, uh, which is why it was Shire's Instruments, not Shire's Trombones, in the beginning. Oh, okay, yeah. um, but. It was a big, it was a a big thing to start making piston valves and, and making trumpet bells and tooling up for everything. And and uh, we kind of started trying to do it by buying valves from another maker, and and it just wasn't the same. So we made a few prototypes and didn't follow through. 
And then Doc Severinsen kind of cold called me. He, uh, wow. I got this phone call and he says, you know, uh, I've had a few makers make instruments for me and a couple people have mentioned you as someone that uh, we'd like you, uh, would might be good at making an instrument for me, would, might like to do it. And, and uh, uh, one of them was uh, Lee Wachowicz at uh, Chuck Levin's um, mm -hmm. Washington Music. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to be recommended, but it's, you know, Doc Severinsen was, again, one of my brass idols, for sure. Of course, uh, yeah. So, All of us, yeah. Uh, so it was great. It was great to get that phone call. It was really a kick in the pants, uh, because if he asks you to do something, you're apt to do it. And sure. So, uh, and it's been a great learning experience. He's He's got a lot of experience doing it, and if you're willing to kind of follow... Uh, all the experimentation he wants to do, you'll learn a great deal about making a trumpet for sure. Mm, I bet. Was it, how long was the process with Doc before you? Well, he got started to the playing the horn within six months, probably. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, he likes to to kid about. Uh, he goes. He asked me once. Well, so when do you think we'll have this done? And I said, I, you know, Doc, with you, I don't think it'll ever be done. <laughs> uh, and and that's what's a little true about that Severinsen model. Is it? It evolves, and uh, I think the early one's really good, and the newest one's really great, and some people might prefer the early ones, but Doc prefers the latest one, and uh, you know, so the instrument has evolved over the last eight years, and probably will continue, continue. to as long as he continues playing. Wow, that is very cool. Yeah, I mean, he's such an iconic brass figure to all of us. I mean, he's, yeah. he's beyond a legend, and... Uh, I can imagine that was a great uh, feeling. But also what's great is he brings so much passion to what he does as a player and as a band leader and everything. Absolutely. And, and what he He's would, a perfectionist, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I know I know. the, the last time I was at an International Trumpet Guild, uh, uh, I was uh, had a booth from Hippo Music, and I, I remember hearing this unbelievable trumpet. Everybody had cleared out, and just some of the vendors had left. And it, was, it sounded like it was coming from a stairwell, and I hear this phenomenal trumpet playing. And I thought, man, who's still here playing? Yeah. Of course, who else? It's Doc Emerson. I opened the door and Doc's there just, it was like so yeah. inspiring. But that's, that, and he brings the same thing to, I'm sure, your relationship. Uh, with oh, him. absolutely. Absolutely. And he still, at 88, has a G above high C guys would kill for, <laughs> um, for sure. He, he's, yeah. That, if, if you want a poster of how to get old, that's the guy you want to be. You Absolutely. Know, it's, I, it's I, amazing I, to me. I've decided I have no need to retire either. I mean, he, uh, his, he thought about retiring a couple of times, but I, I just yeah. don't think it took. Yeah. yeah. And th thank goodness. That's, yeah. Uh, we're all Absolutely. glad he didn't retire. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, if you don't mind, I'll get a little self-indulgent and talk about my horn a little bit, our horn, I should say. And uh, I guess this was back in 2009 we started talking about to, working on something and and one of the things that that struck me is um your flexibility in terms of and you kind of touched on it with doc's instrument but i know when we i had played on a king 2b for for many many years an older one uh that was not a dual bore um and so i remember the first time i came up we were trying different parts and we couldn't really get anything and and then we went back and forth quite a bit and sometimes it got worse sometimes it got better certain things got better and I remember we had a few months where I'd, we weren't, you know, you, you were busy with all the other stuff and I didn't hear from you and you didn't, anyway, that's unimportant. But 
I just remember the one day you called me up. It was in the fall of uh, 2010, I think, and you said, Mike, I got it. I'm, sending, I'm FedExing you the horn tomorrow. I'm like, great, this is going to be awesome. And I remember picking it up, getting the FedEx box and opening it up and started playing, and I literally could tell it was the horn. Um, and that's, I'm, I'll be forever grateful to you for that because it was <laughs> incredible. And, and, and I don't know what you thought about between uh, the time that we were still, and then there was a little break, and then all of a sudden, boom, it was uh, so much uh, um, in the right direction of exactly what I was looking for in terms of adding some, some more chord as the sound, some more warmth to it, and all these things. But at any rate, um, maybe talk a little bit about that process, because I know we went back and forth a little bit, but the, the, your ability to kind of just stay the course was so impressive to me, and, and, and the work that you did was clearly uh, superior to anything that's come uh, my way before. So curious about your thoughts. Well, on I think <clears throat> the willingness, the, you've got to have a willingness to experiment. And mm -hmm. uh, part of the unique thing about that is the bell, which uh, as a bell maker, I think I've got a unique perspective on uh, on what I've learned on how to spin them differently, how to uh, have make it thicker here and thinner there, and all of that is extremely important uh, on a trombone bell, just like on a violin. On a a great violin maker will spend a lot of time graduating the violin top, making getting thin spots and thick spots and so on, and and that's. That's important in a trombone, and not everyone wants the same thing, but you've you've got to learn what all that stuff does. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think on your horn, we were also willing to, you know, it's not a uh, an instrument where we just took parts out of a bin and put it together. Uh, the cork barrels are different than our other instruments, and the tuning slide's a little different, and the hand slide crook, one of the reasons you had to wait is, uh, the hand slide crook, we decided to make it wider than a King 2B, but mm -hmm. narrower than a Con 6H, which was sort of the one that we had initially used on the Shire small bores. And uh, yeah, first we made a die for it that was the same as the King, and you said, maybe a little wider. And, mm -hmm. and we made the, the wider one, and it uh, it worked out. And So part of it is waiting for the tooling to get done, because we don't make yeah. all of our tooling in-house. Yeah. And I'm glad you did that. And I've gotten a lot of comments on people who pick it up and say this feels more like a, you know, not it's not a large board tenor, but it has that feel. It's more substantial. And mm -hmm. and I rarely uh, even pick up my my old king that I played for a quarter of a century. But uh, when I do, it, I, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but mm -hmm. it feels like a toy to yeah, me. It, yeah. I can't even believe this is what I felt so comfortable with now because this is so... It just has so, it's so much more substantial, mm -hmm. and yet, but you can. What's amazing about it to me is is uh, it's just that you can do all those things that you could do on that on a king as well. You can zing it, you can get the brightness if you need it, but yeah. it's got this other thing, so it's uh, uh, really great. And then and then a couple of years ago, you guys went right back at it and did the Michael Davis Plus, which is closer to a three B, and yep. uh, and that plays great. And even your attention to detail, I know we talked a lot about should it be an eight inch bell a seven and three quarter inch bell and it's makes such a big difference and we settled on you i mean you guys it was your advice to go with the seven and three quarter and you were absolutely right and just goes to show you you know so in my mind i i would think oh yeah whatever but it's not whatever it's yeah, like important that that, you know? that shocked me how much difference that quarter of an inch uh 
makes in how the horn projects. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, with our bell mandrel and stuff for this horn, uh, it was going to be big enough. It was going to sound big enough. So if anything, you just wanted a little more projection and center. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick your one favorite thing of in terms of your role in terms of what you do into making the instruments, would, would you... Would it be spinning the bells, or is it in the design process, or is well, it... Well, I enjoy spinning bells, but it's a little more, uh, it's more therapeutic at this point than, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a big challenge. That part is not a big challenge. I've done a lot. It's probably like a potter making another pot. I mean, it's, it's I enjoy that part of it, but uh, if you actually create something, if someone asks you for something and you create something new, uh, and succeed at designing something and making something that you haven't made before that's how a player wants it. I think that's, uh, there's uh, a lot of satisfaction in that. And I, I compare it to being a musician, playing a piece of music you've never played or playing a piece you have played and doing it in a different way that people really appreciate. I, yeah. You know, it that's feels a, good. That's a good analogy. I think it's very similar. I mean, it's the the artistry and then the and being comfortable to you know sit in that one thing that you're doing it's a good analogy well in 2014 uh se shires was purchased by the eastman brass company and that's mm -hmm. um i'm sure creates challenges but it's also created a lot of positive things sure. in, in terms of distribution and production capacity and and et cetera et cetera and um how is that how has that worked out for you and uh, i'm just glad to see even coming in the showroom today haven't been uh, to the factory in about a year and a half and it looks great oh, and it's, yeah. it's looking great and there's it just feels like feels good you yeah know? obviously you know one of the things we needed was was uh, the capital necessary to grow mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing companies uh, take capital to grow and it's something uh, that we needed uh, for a long time uh, so having a little money to spend on the showroom is great uh, it, the employees themselves get to have stuff like 401ks and other benefits that, uh, you know, we always provided some benefits, but a bigger company can do a better job with that as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's, it's great for the employees. For me, it takes a lot of stress off and uh, I'm uh, getting more and more into designing uh, new instruments, uh, working with uh, artists going forward, uh, you know, designing other models for artists that mm -hmm. they'll be comfortable playing on. Yeah, that's great. And I should add that uh, I, I was, as, as an artist and a person that's uh, a big uh, proponent of S.E. Shire's uh, instruments, I was so glad to see your team remain in place, and mm -hmm. particularly Samantha Glazer, who's amazing to work with all the yeah. time, and Ben Griffin and James Monaghan, and I know I'm leaving out a few folks, but you have a great team here, and uh, it, it is and Wes Hopper, uh, who I should also give a special thank you to, because I think a lot of my horn being in existence had yeah. to do with him persevering and, yeah, and giving his insight, but it's uh, great that your team is still here doing the great work that they do. Cause it's and, and a lot of the people that aren't here, like Wes is still a friend of the shop, but he doesn't work here on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, we talk constantly, and he still occasionally works for us, as does Gabe Langfer, who of I course, think yeah, you know yeah, as well. Sure, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great when, you can, uh, when you've got people, even if they leave to do 
more playing or whatever, if they can, uh, that you have a good relationship with them and they still have input to the company. Yeah, so. that's great. Uh, it's, a, it's, always, it's always a pleasure working with all these folks. It's terrific. So would you say the future for you holds what you just described, working with artists and product development and... and Exactly. Those, those I'll be two. making prototypes and, uh, you know, we have uh, pretty wide acceptance with our B-flat and C trumpets, but I think we want to get into even more orchestras and so on. And uh, so I'll be working with uh, orchestral trumpet players uh, and and jazz trumpet players and mm -hmm. and uh, and more orchestral trombone players as well to continue refining the instruments and... Mm -hmm and creating things that are a little bit different than what we've offered before. Nice. Well, I, I know uh, I speak for the entire brass world. We, we look forward to uh, all the future Steve Shire's creations because it's yeah. going to be, it's, as always, it's going to be something special. Steve, I like to kind of wrap up all of our interviews with all the great artists and uh, with this kind of thought and uh, is just kind of uh, giving a piece of advice to young folks who are looking at this and saying, man, I want to be Steve Shire's. What do, what do I do to be Steve Shire's? Can you uh, give us some insight into what you would say to somebody who's looking at, you know, becoming uh, an instrument maker, becoming an entrepreneur, and, and doing all the great stuff that you've done throughout your career? I think, uh, again, it's the same as playing or anything else you want to do. Uh, intellectual curiosity, being really fascinated with, with what you're doing. Um, and then spend some of your spare time doing it, not just your job but do you know I used to when I worked at Osmond Brass I'd get there at uh, 7 in the morning and I'd practice for 45 minutes and then I'd tinker around with stuff that I wasn't getting paid to do but just kinda learning about stuff and then I'd practice more and then we'd open at 9 mm. and uh, <laughs> and just being willing to uh, to learn and be fascinated with your subject uh, I think that's the most important thing for sure. Yeah, well said. Great words of advice. And I think, I think what comes through in everything that you do uh, as a craftsman and as an artist is passion. You know, and you mm -hmm. see just from your answer right there, it's like you have so much passion for, for making uh, these great, incredible instruments that you make. So, well, Steve, I can't thank you enough. I had a ball being here, well, and uh, it's been great. It's always great to see you. Great to see uh, the shop and, and all the great folks. And, uh, Thanks for taking time out and giving us your insight and uh, all the incredible stuff you've done throughout your career. Well, thank you very much for coming. My pleasure. Right. Steve, thanks. And we will see all of you next time on Bone to Pick.